Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. 2.34, he's Brett, I'm Greg. The potato chips of relationships, social media. Ironic, after our last conversation with Matt Kleinschmidt, where he tells us that millennials are in love with premium, that Carolyn Klassen would equate social media with potato chips. <laughs> not necessarily the most premium of foods, uh, premium in taste, not necessarily Indeed. in quality or in their goodness or suitability for a um, healthy diet. I uh, want to talk about this idea of millennials and the psychology and the effects of social media. And Global Winnipeg did a feature on this uh, just over a week of, ago. And Carolyn, you were actually featured. I was. In a report with our friend and our colleague Talia Ricci. Here's that report now. Technology today should have us feeling more connected than ever before. But this therapist says in many ways we are also disconnected. Social media is a way to disengage from a relationship, right? Oh, I'm just going to check to see what's going on over here. And what it does is it pulls you out of being with the person that's right in front of you. A bad habit these millennials say they've noticed. We recognize that when we go out for dinner and we just need to have that FaceTime, put the phones down. He's on it a lot and more than I would like. And it does cause tension in a relationship. Clausen says checking social media on a regular basis every day has also skewed millennials' perspectives on what real life is like. It's very normal to have a life with ups and downs and sometimes where there's really not anything happening. But what social media does is it has people share the very lowest and the very highest. So we see these points and then we think people live in there. And when millennials are constantly watching other people's highlight reels on Facebook, they say it does often affect how they value their own lives. Some say for the better. Personally, I've actually found it really helpful in my life. Um, I used social media and the motivation of seeing people's transformation stories to lose a bunch of weight. And others for worse. I end up feeling really crappy about my life a lot because I'm not traveling in a van like a girl that I know from Stonewall. With shiny screens and releases of dopamine constantly at the tips of their fingers, Clausen says this has affected the millennial generation's ability to relax and be with their own thoughts. I think often without realizing it when we have uncomfortable or painful feelings it's really easy to numb those feelings or to distance ourselves from those feelings by going onto social media or by checking our phones and it's not like we're saying oh I don't want to feel my pain so I will look on social media it's something that almost happens unconsciously social media has made it easier to distract yourself it's harder to relax like to sit by yourself for 10 minutes would feel like torture to most people. Clausen recommends that in a time when social media is so prevalent, millennials should be deliberate about being mindful, taking the time to slow down, listen to your thoughts and unplug. Talia Ricci, Global News. And she did that sign off as she was walking off camera playing on her phone. So little cheekiness there from our colleague Talia Ricci. <laughs> so uh, well done. And, uh, it was neat to see you on the television there, Carolyn Clausen from Connexus Counseling. So good job there as well. Thanks. Now, one of the things I, I want to point this out before I forget, and I, I appreciate uh, self-deprecation. So you put a, 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 you have your blog post, The Potato Chips of Relationships, social media, which is uh, can be found at connexuscounseling.ca. That's where I actually saw the report on your website. And you put up a selfie of you and Shannon Coozes. 
and you 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 kind of throw yourself under the bus here <laughs> because where you the caption reads too good to pass up a selfie on a page about social media the double chin pose is a clear sign i don't know how to take a proper selfie I just wanted to say good for you because Thanks. I think anybody who has taken a selfie and kind of looked in, in horror and thought, oh, I look terrible in that picture. <laughs> That's why. Well, she was rushing in between jobs. We had about 10 seconds, between, you know, what from the time she said goodbye to me until she had to be off to her next task after the commercial. And uh, so I had one quick crack and uh, I realized it was a terrible selfie, but really I I don't take selfies. So I didn't realize how bad it was until I looked after looked at it way too late to be able to retake it. Well, and there is a, there's a lesson to it. If you've ever looked at younger people holding their phone way up above them <laughs> taking pictures, because that's the more flattering angle, which I also learned because I just I laughed so hard when I saw this because I went out with my mom uh, a few months ago to the Cirque du Soleil. Um, Taruk, Taruk, the first flight. And I tried to take a selfie of me and my mom and we both looked awful. So I felt really bad. Well, you'll notice Shannon looks fabulous on the picture, right? She knows exactly <laughs> how to take them. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to, to be clear, you don't look awful. You look just fine. So the potato chips of relationships. What? Why that title? Well, I like potato chips. Seriously, right? And there's nothing, you know, I, I have this sort of guilty, sometimes if I forget to pack a lunch and I'm rushing over to the studio here and I'm starving, I'm thinking, oh, I just, I better stop in at a gas station and grab something quick. And then it's that's like a really good excuse to have potato chips, right? Um, because I really like potato chips. But I also know that when I have potato chips and I eat a bowl of potato chips, I won't be hungry after and it will be awfully delicious going down. But at the end of it, you end up feeling kind of ugh. And you also know that it wasn't very nutritious. It wasn't nutritious. It wasn't good for you. Um, and those were empty calories. And so afterwards, you don't get nearly the good feeling that you what I would have had if I would have had a salad or a sandwich with, you know, good sandwich fillings in it. And I think social media is kind of like the potato chips of relationships where absolutely, you know, looking on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest is delicious. It's so much fun and it's so interesting to see so many things so quickly. And yet those aren't nutritious engagements in terms of social relationships. And I think sometimes we underestimate the value that the, the not, there's not nearly as much nutritious value in that engagement in social media as we wish that there was. It seems like a good idea to, at the time. Oh, absolutely. We get addicted to it. So there's another similarity. We get very the, addicted to it. To potato chips. Yes. And then, of course, then you need the accoutrement. You need the dip sometimes, <laughs> right? Because the chips aren't good enough tasting. You've got to put something creamy and delicious on it. And sometimes, you know, you have a bit of dip and you want to dip the chips in and you need a bit more dip. So then you put the dip down and then you run out of chips. So you have to add some more chips. Like it goes back and forth, right? Social media is really not much different than that. No, no. Social media is quite a, is addictive. We know that it actually there's a neurotransmitter in our brain dopamine that goes off when we post a picture and we see the likes and we see how many people are appreciating it it feels good um, to know that people are seeing us and noticing us we it absolutely is addictive and it's it's very compelling and what we have learned to do is to fill our quiet time with social media in a way that we don't get sort of the the blank spaces in our lives like we used to Oh, and so then the other side of that is the fact that it's not sustainable to have potato chips three meals a day. No. Seven days a week, yet with the amount of time we spend on social media, we're getting the perception. And I thought the most important thing and the thing that resonated with me most in that story was the fact that we quite often 
see the best part of people's lives. Oh, I'm in Mexico. Oh, I'm in Montreal. I'm in Toronto. We're traveling here. We're, you know, just got back from there. Well, yeah, it's like CGOB. We don't talk about all the planes that land safely, right? Right. And it's, that's the perception you're getting. Other people's lives are so much more exciting than mine. Social media isn't representative of the real world. People put their very highlights and their lowlights, but most of life is lived in the middle. And so you see somebody heading off to Europe. What they don't talk about is how they might have worked two or three jobs for months in order to be able to afford that trip. And they put in hundreds of hours of sweat equity to make that trip possible. And that part doesn't make it. And then we end up feeling like they live, leave, live such glamorous lives and it, we only see, you know, the top little peak of the mountain. We don't see the trek that they took to get all the way up there. So is there a danger, or maybe that's too harsh a word, but is there a danger of spending too much time on social media to the point where it can affect your mood in a negative way because you perceive that others are having a better life than you? That's certainly, you know, I think happens. I know that I've had clients where they've just had to make a decision not to be on Pinterest anymore because when you go on Pinterest, you see how lovely other people's homes are and what lovely things that they're hanging on their walls and you just end up feeling like they leave lives that I will never live. And what you don't see is those people's, their house get messy too, right? But you don't notice that on social media because they're not posting that stuff. And so you're posting your real life to comparing your real life to their artificial life and you lose. You absolutely lose. But it's highly edited, highly filtered, maybe photoshopped life that they have online. And when you compare that world to your world, you'll lose. And that's a lousy feeling. The best Chris Rock stand-up piece has to do with the first date. And he talks about the fact that you're not going to meet me. You're going to meet the best representative of me. My best suit, my best car, my best everything is on display that first time that I meet you. When we go out on a date, I'm taking you to a restaurant that I can only afford to go to every once in a while. <laughs> and this is not the real me. This is probably about as good as it gets. Right. And from there, you break it down. And so with social media and this limited interaction that we have with people, I think you're right. We're getting a false perspective of how they live and who people really are. And it could be dangerous to be trying to hold ourselves to these these standards or at least these perceived standards that other people look how they live. Right. It's not real, right? Social media is filtered and edited. People put their best foot forward. And, and in some, there's a lot of wisdom to that because we all know that when you apply for a job, your potential future boss is looking on social media to see what he sees. And so it makes sense to present a certain image on social media, but it's highly edited, highly filtered, and it's it's your best. Uh, and I think what we're what we realize is that relationships happen in the real, where you see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that trust develops when you see people in all spheres over time with them. And trust is built in the smallest of moments, with just multiple engagements when people are are just being real with you. And that doesn't happen on social media. It happens in real life, real relationships right in front of you, which you may miss if you have a screen in front of you. Carolyn Claussen is a therapist at Conexus Counseling. The website, conexuscounseling.ca, that's where you can find a blog post called The Potato Chips of Relationships, Social Media. We will continue our conversation about this in a few moments after your forecast. Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. 249. He's Brett. I'm Greg Carolyn Clausen. 
Connexus Counseling. We're talking about the potato chips of relationships. Comparing a bowl of potato chips as though that you, if you think that's healthy nutrition, no, you, we know it's not. So if you think that getting seeking meaningful connection through social media is a good thing, it's not. So that's where the comparison. Well, the first place this breaks down is the fact that you're using a bowl. Who eats a bowl? Like, you got to eat the whole bag. It doesn't matter what size the bag is. It's one portion. Well, the idea is with comparing it to social media to potato chips is that it's not that you can't ever have a potato chip. They are delicious, but you have them in limited quantities and you figure out how to limit the size. And so that's one thing I do is have a bowl and I try to keep the bowl fairly small so that I enjoy it, but I don't go beyond that. But that's fear of who's influencing us and these interpersonal relationships, quote unquote, like I mentioned off air, like back when I was a kid, you had four or five friends that you could actually keep in touch with, right? Right. Whether on phone or in person. Well, now you've got people have two, three, four hundred Facebook friends who they're being inundated with. It's this quality versus quantity. And even though we're minimalist in terms of physical um, belongings, we're, we're going other ways and in, in terms of collecting relationships and experiences almost. We overestimate, I think, our ability to maintain quality friendships. We, we can't maintain relationships with hundreds of people, uh, but we can with a couple of dozen Uh, And the challenge is to figure out how to make the meaningful relationships with the people in front of us um, have those be the the important ones in our lives. And it's really just a couple of generations ago where, you know, like if you were on the farm and your cow was in labor and you needed help from the neighbor, you might spend all night just chatting with each other or sitting there in the quiet and then starting another conversation. And, And you would talk about things you would never get to because of the hours that you invested in each other as you were doing something. And that was something that people did all the time. Uh, and now there's so many things attracting our attention that we have more shallow relationships with other people, and we also have a shallower relationship with ourselves. What about uh, the effect uh, that social media might have on while you're trying to spend time with people? I mean, it was referenced in that report with Talia where, you know, if you're you're hanging out with somebody and they're goofing off on their phone the whole time because they're trying to tell the world on social media how much fun they're having. Well, I was talking with my daughter-in-law um, the other day about this um, after it showed on TV, and she was talking, she's a nurse, and, you know, they're very professional, they do their jobs, but she says they are in the break room, and there's half a dozen of them on their phones, right? And the nurse that's nearing retirement will walk in the room in frustration, saying, why can't we talk in the in the break room like we used to? But people are so busy checking their phones. So these colleagues of nurses... They're operating very professionally with each other in the ward, but they're not visiting with each other and sort of hanging in and developing their relationships during their lunch break or their coffee break. And um, what we would suspect is that when you can enhance the relationships by just spending time with each other, by not checking on the phone, or sometimes you're not even, the phone doesn't even have to be, you don't have to be looking at it. It can just be down. And when it vibrates, you have a choice whether you're going to pick it up or not. And even if you don't pick it up, you're aware that it's been vibrating and you're already distracted of making that choice of I'm not going to look at it now. And I'm still not going to look at it and I'm still not going to look at it. And that is that is taking you away from the fully present relationship that you potentially have right in front of you. No, I like to think that the discussions we have on this program are sometimes groundbreaking or bringing things to light that people have never heard before or aren't talking about. This is the first time they're hearing about it. But I hate to break it to you, Brett and Carolyn. We all know this. Yeah. We all know 
that these devices that many people have become addicted to are not very good for our relationships. They're not good for how we feel about ourselves. And we know that we should be changing this, but yet we refuse to do so. You mentioned the fact that there's that chemical release in the brain. Are we literally addicted to that feeling? The science would say yes. The science would say that that development of dopamine gives it a really strong pull. And what some um, there's a, some really interesting things by Simon Sinek on YouTube about this topic. And what he suggests is to treat it like an addiction. To say just like the alcoholic doesn't have beer in the house that you recognize that there's times when you're going to have the phone outside the room. You're not going to bring the phones into the boardroom before the meeting. You're not going to bring your phone into the bedroom. Get an alarm clock. Don't use your phone. Find ways of distancing yourself from media, having it in a separate place, having a basket um, at the door for the party that people put their phones in and then they pick them up when they leave. That you you create deliberate ways where you make it easier for you to avoid the pull of social media to allow you to be in real social relationships with the people that are in the same room as you. I will often <clears throat> lambaste my younger friends in the room if they are too busy twiddling about on their phone and that's not to suggest that I'm not guilty of this but if you're if you're on your phone the entire time you're hanging out with your friends why even bother you're not really with your friends right and I think we have to recognize that that it feels painful and so the temptation is for us to pick up our phone so that we don't feel like we're being ignored and then you're not really with the people that you're with uh And we are wired for relationship. We're wired for real relationship. And it's getting to know and spending time with the people closest in our lives that are with us in the same room. That's the green leafy vegetables of nutritional relationships. And when we go for the potato chips of the social media, we're cheating ourselves and we're cheating the other people of ways that bring joy. Joy is created with deep relationships, not with social media. Well, it was Jerry Seinfeld, I think, that said, Chris Rock, now Jerry Seinfeld, that said, you know, men aren't worried about watching TV. They're worried about what's on TV. Hmm. You know, for a year, I'm a habitual, I'm a clicker. I'm all over the place. If there's a commercial, what else, what am I missing? And I think there've been clues for a long time as it pertains to media that many of us are wired that way, that we're more worried about not what we're doing, but about what we're missing out on. You don't want to be on the outs, right? You want to make sure that you're included and that you're in on the latest. But what happens then is we're not in the latest of what's happening with our partner or with our kids. Um, And we're not, so much of building of relationships happens in those quiet, boring moments where nothing is happening. Because when nothing is happening, something is actually happening. And even if we're by ourselves, if you're out for coffee and somebody's in the bathroom, we pick up our phone right away to check whatever. And it wasn't that long ago, just a generation ago, when we were, you know, when somebody went off to the bathroom and you were sitting there, you would just people watch and you would think and you would reflect back on the conversation and you would one, you would hear your own reactions to what was going on and you would develop depth in yourself as you developed thought and creativity and innovation in that nothing, that nothing is actually a place where something happens. Carolyn Clausen, we got to wrap it up. Carolyn Clausen is a therapist with Connexus Counseling. Website, connexuscounseling.ca. You can read the blog post there, The Potato Chips of Relationships, social media. Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB.